I'm Lisa Stone, and you are listening to Season 8 of Parenting Aces. Welcome to this bonus episode of the Parenting Aces podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and I know it seems like we've had uh, multiple bonus episodes lately, and we have, but there's an awful lot going on in the tennis world right now, and I don't want to wait to bring this information to you. I want to make sure you get it in a timely manner. So this bonus episode, and we will have another one immediately following this one, But this particular episode, I have David Hiltzik, who is the father of Jared and Aaron Hiltzik. I have the three of them discussing what's going on with the ITF World Tennis Tour. And as you'll hear in this conversation, the tour has had a big impact on both Jared and Aaron, though more so on Aaron, who is newer out on the Pro Tour. These boys are training hard. They are former University of Illinois players. They have worked and trained their entire lives for the opportunity to play professional tennis. Their parents have supported them along this journey, and now they are kind of in a holding pattern to see what the ITF is going to do to open opportunities back up to players at this level. And by this level, I mean outside the top 200 or so on the tour. So I hope you'll check the show notes. I'm going to actually create one article for this podcast and the next bonus episode with Shelby Talcott that will include links to all of the efforts that they are working on. I hope you'll also check out the article that I posted yesterday and all of the links incorporated there, but there's a lot going on and we as tennis parents need to understand how all of these things that the ITF is currently doing could impact our junior players. So that's it. I want you to please pay close attention to what the Hiltzik gentlemen discuss in this episode. And also hopefully you'll take a listen to my next bonus episode coming out shortly with Shelby Talcott. We have the Hiltzik family or the Hiltzik boys with us, father, David brothers, Jared and Aaron. Thank y'all so much for coming on the parenting aces podcast and speaking with us today. Thank you. Absolutely. So this all kind of came about for two reasons. One, I saw a post that David had made in a Facebook group that I'm part of dealing with the new ITF World Tennis Tour. And two, I saw a tweet that Jared had posted um, about his frustration over trying to get into a tournament that was then canceled. And now what do I do? And David and I started talking and then it kind of came about that, wow, I should just talk to all three of you because your story is kind of that of of everyone out there struggling with these new changes. So, David, let's start with you. What Uh I mean, as a dad, what made you decide to start speaking out about what's happening? Well, um, to be honest, I'm I'm a pretty mellow guy. I'm pretty I usually don't. You know, I'm one of those tennis, you know, parents that when they're playing a match, I'm usually quiet. I don't, you know, I don't get, you know, upset. I don't do any of that. I watch if they win, great. If they lose, it's part of tennis. You learn from it and stuff like that. But I was just getting so frustrated with um, both Aaron and Jared just trying to figure out how to play as a professional tennis player now because, you know, you had Aaron that was doing real well, um, you know, but he was in college, so he doesn't have as many opportunities. And so he's just getting out and he's just trying to get his feet wet and he's had good results in the past and he's all excited to go and boom, ITF changes and January 1st, he has no ranking. Um, he, he signed up for three tournaments in Portugal. He was the 200th alternate for all three for the qualifier. Last year, he was in the main, and suddenly he goes, what is it, it's nearly March? He hasn't played a match, tournament match, since January, and then I see the tweet from, you know, Jared, that 
you know, he can't even, you know, he might be one out in the challenger for the main, but he can't even get into the qualies. So I was just extremely frustrated and I just went from there. I just laid it all out, you know, about their, you know, life, how they started in tennis and, you know, you know, they weren't ITF kids. You know, we didn't travel around to Europe or any of that. Everything was in the United States. You know, when you had, you know, two two kids trying to make it in tennis, you know, there's a huge cost factor. Sure. So, uh, you know, so that that was, you know, part of the reason we didn't do ITF. And we wanted them to uh, go to regular school and have a regular, you know, education, go to college, you know. And it's been very frustrating on my part, you know, watching them struggle trying to figure this out and, you know, reading about, you know, you know, how ITF is making money through the, you know, feeding betting sites and, um, you know, and they, they both have gotten threats from, you know, people, you know, regards to them losing a match or losing a set, you know, they get tweeted threats, you know, family, I hope this or that. You know, I hope you get cancer. I hope you never play oh again. You know, be yeah, so it's, it's that whole thing with the ITF is that's extremely frustrating for me. Sure, sure. And Aaron, talk a little bit about what your situation is now. Yeah, um, I mean, so right now I've been technically pro for about, I don't know, eight months or so. And um, I mean, I would say my junior year of college I you know I was doing pretty well I finaled a 25k I qualified for a couple challengers ranked about 700 or so and then uh coming about my senior year I got a little injured um you know I was still I was ranked like top 20 in the country but I wasn't you know performing at my absolute level so I didn't defend too many of my points and moved down to probably like 900 in the rankings which was last year and uh basically i was still in the main draw of all of my futures it was fine but you know i wasn't playing too great when you say let me just interrupt you when you say 900 in the rankings you're talking about atp the the real atp rankings yes got it this was last year right so i was still trying to like oh crap you know i didn't defend my i finaled the 25k and that was 15 points and i lost first round to kwiatkowski you ended up winning it and it was a really tight match i was very bummed about that but uh basically didn't defend those dropped my ranking pretty harshly and uh so this is me now i'm right out of college um graduated i'm still 900 or something and i'm like okay well i just found out basically that there's these new rules that you know 15ks they're not going to count for atp points next year and my whole plan was basically three years ago is like i'm probably going to go go play thailand go play in some other country that's a bit weaker and you know i think i'm a good tennis player so i'm gonna go out i'm gonna win a 15k get those actual atp points and then be ranked you know four or five hundred come back to the states and just play confident because i'm ranked four or five hundred and that's how i can believe in myself more sure. but now i decided well they're not going to be worth that much technically because these itf points it's if i win a 15k i only get these transition points. And so I decided, well, you know, I still think I'm a good player. So I'm going to stay in the States. I'm going to play these 25 Ks. And if I final or win one, you know, get my ATP point. And so basically I quarterfinaled one tournament, won a couple of first rounds, had a couple of tough draws, but definitely, you know, I don't think I was playing that great. And um, that kind of was tough. So I didn't get to do that well. And so now coming January 1st, my ranking literally disintegrated. So um, now I'm basically the 200th alternate for Portugal, which is like, for me coming, you know, I've finaled the 25K, I've qualified for a couple of challengers. If that was me two years ago and they just did the rankings, I would be ranked probably 450 right now, ATP, mm-hmm. if they changed that ranking system. So it's just, uh, it's really tough. I've just basically been training the past, um, month and a half, two months. I've been in and out of Orlando um, at the USTA. I mean, they've been fantastic with me, helping me out as much as they can. Um, and then I'm just back home in Chicago too, just with my family, 
I'm kind of being like, well, you know, my whole plan is to be a tennis pro, but I feel like I'm playing Xbox at home and just training all day, you know? <laughs> so, so when you're down kinda, in Orlando, I mean, what are you hearing at USTA in terms of yeah, I mean, helping you even, guys out? Yeah. I, <laughs> well, first of all, I'm even talking to a sports psychologist right now just to get around it. Larry Lauer, he's been helping me a lot. Just he's basically a good guy. Just, he, yeah. And he's just telling me to just keep digging. You know, your, your time will come. Um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with these rules and just keep working, keep working. And that, that's all I can do right now. So basically when I'm in Orlando, you know, I haven't really specifically talked to the coaches about like what their thoughts are on the rules, but, um, I'm just saying like, guys, I can't get into these tournaments, you know, what can I do? And they're just kind of saying, just, just keep working. And that's, that's all I've been doing. I've just been working. So mm. I'm just. That's got to be very frustrating. Jared, what's your situation? Yeah, so my situation, it's um, it's a little different. Mine, obviously, so I'm ranked ATP, round 350 right now. Um, Had the, I was the same ranking pretty much at the end of last year. So uh, the main difference for me is just not being able to get into the same tournaments that I once was able to. Uh, from a challenger perspective, qualifying, I was able to be pretty much seated in all challenger qualifiers and um, even in the main draw of a couple. But that's kind of been the main difference for me. Um, the I think change is good. I think change is something that is always can always be needed. Um, and it was just one of those things where the ITF and ATP will continue to collect data and see how things are going. And um, obviously they've made small changes right now, but um, as we continue to progress, I do feel like there will be more changes coming, um, but they just need some more data first. Mm. So what happened? You tweeted about this tournament in Mexico that you were planning to play. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that whole situation? What happened? Yeah, so this year, um, kind of just where my ranking is, the opportunities to get into main draws of challengers um, are highly, um, like, they're like, I use the terminology gold, like people just hang on, hang on to them. So sure. cuts are a lot harder. And if you do get in, you you most likely you do go just because of the limited opportunities. And um, I had a couple good results in Dallas and Cleveland, making a quarters and around a 16. Um, and I knew that last year at this time, I had some good challenger results as well in Drummondville and had 15 points to defend this year. Um, and so Guadalajara, that challenger was pretty much going to be my last chance to get into a challenger with my 350 ranking. If I was already pretty close to getting into tournaments with 350, um, if I can't defend those Drummondville points with 15, that's going to drop me to 380, 390. So I can pretty much kiss uh, those opportunities of getting into main draw challengers. Goodbye. And so what happened with Guadalajara? So we received an email from the ATP just saying that the Guadalajara challenger has been canceled due to sponsorship issues. Um, That's pretty much the only information that we were given. And have you been able to find out any more about why they canceled the tournament? No. I don't, I mean, it doesn't bother me too much with the reason why Um, Mm -hmm. sponsorship is usually due to hospitality or um, just the inability to get the funding for the tournament, which we're going to see is going to continue to be very tough for these tournaments to put on Um, just with having to pay for hotels. Now for the tournaments, it puts them in a really tricky situation in a sport where not a lot of money is being brought in at this time at this, at the challenger and futures level. Right. And I mean, you know, this whole issue of hospitality, I saw something, I think it was from you on Twitter, Jared, that, you know, most of you guys don't stay in hotels anyway. You, you try and find families that can put you up. And so this whole notion of the ITF requiring the tournaments to provide hotels really is kind of silly. It It is in a sense. Um, obviously, there are some tournaments that are in really nice areas and have a great support crew with families that are really willing to house and 
Others are in, in cities that um, just don't really have the resources to put up players comfort comfortably to perform at the highest level. Um, so it's a little tricky dynamic there in that sense because um, it's trying to, yes, it's amazing that they're trying to help us out with the hotels. Um, but I guess in some tournaments, it's not as necessary as others. Mm-hmm. This is David here. Um, one of the interesting things you, you also got to, you know, talk about is that, you know, Jared and Aaron would fly up a lot to Canada, you know, to be close to play some tournaments and get in and things like that. And Canada canceled all their ITF, um, tournaments. And in fact, um, both boys even went to Israel, I think a year ago or two years ago also. And all the ITF tournaments in Israel have been canceled. Right. Um, and most of the ITFs in the United States right now are in what I think Aaron told me was like California. There was one in, coming up, one in Arizona. But mostly California and um, Florida. 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 Yeah. yeah. And then Aaron's trying to go to a tournament in, you know, 15,000 K in Florida that's coming up in March. And you got to figure the whole idea of the ITF was trying to make things more, you know, cost effective, you know, as a parent. So I'm sending Aaron to California on, you know, flights. It's going to, you know, um, stay somewhere, um, you know, for the, you know, for the, you know, qualies. So for him to try to win in a qualifier, it's probably going to end up costing a thousand dollars. Or or more. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. Just just to get into the main draw. Just to get yeah, in. just to get into the main draw, yeah. Right, just and have a shot the- at at what? If you win the tournament, right. how much money at is, what? is I just there? get these ITF points, yeah. <laughs> well, but but prize money wise, what what is there available? Yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure the final winnings for winning a 15k right now. Around two thousand, two thousand, two thousand. So you will have yeah. spent at least that to be at the event. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Right. And then so, first round so this is in. not about the money. I mean, this is the point I'm right. trying to make is Definitely this is not, not about, about yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, it's not about the money. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the whole you, theory we have of what <laughs> Say again? Yeah. The old theory of what the ITFs are saying, they're trying to make it easier, more cost effective, better, and right now it's not showing that. <laughs> right. You know, right. not as cost effective. It's harder to get in. Um you know, my question is, what happens if, you know, it was, you know, one of my kids were injured and they can't, you know, you're suddenly, you know, you're injured and you're trying to get back. You know, that's another thing that's, you know, how is that going to work? You know, how are you going to be able to get your ATP points? Right. Let's talk about the wild cards for a second. What are y'all hearing about that? I mean, USTA made, you know, made a plan for wild cards. That was kind of one of the ways that USTA was going to take care of the American players. What are y'all hearing about that? Um, yeah, this is Aaron speaking. I've always, you, sorry, go you ahead. Go, Jay? Yeah, I'll go. So, I mean, wild cards are always at the discretion of, um, USTA, the tournaments and, um, you, you'd like to think just if you put up results, then, um, hope, hopefully that you'll be granted wild card into future events. And, <clears throat> that the organizations just continue to um, help players that they see have a future and have been playing well and can continue to play. So um, honestly, I haven't looked into any of the criteria. Um, I pretty much just try and worry about my own tennis and just try and get better, not rely on wild cards. Um, If they come great, if not, then you just keep getting better. And Aaron, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, um, so actually my first tournament of the year this past year, um, I was playing a, a 25K in Palm Coast and uh, I came for the qualifying and got the hotel and everything and Jared was going to come a couple of days later, we we're going to room and I was actually lucky to be given a wild card, which is fantastic. Um, so no, I'm right on the same page with Jared. It's just, we just got to focus on our tennis and if we get the wild card, that's great. If not, then just got to keep working. But you were saying that, you know, getting into these events is like gold now. I mean, the wild cards, you know, <laughs> they're, they're gold times a million, right? I oh, mean, they're, they're gold. Like I would do anything right now to get a qualifying wild card for a 25K, you know? <laughs> so, 
Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. So, I mean, y'all are out there. You you have a lot of friends that are in your same situation. Have y'all figured out what you're going to do to kind of ride this out until the changes that can fix things are, are in place? And, and I mean, hopefully these changes are coming. Um, go ahead. Yeah, this is, I'll go. Yeah, this is Aaron. Um, yeah, basically, uh, <laughs> what me and Jared have just been saying, like, we're just going to keep working until, you know, whatever can happen with the, the new rule system. But, um, you know, we do have our college degrees and we've got a little side business going on right now and just kind of working on that and just kind of keeping us busy. But at the meantime, we're just going to keep training. Well, so. plug the side business. Come on now. <laughs> or you can say that, Jared. I don't know. <laughs> so um, we started a company called Recovery for Athletes. So basically providing um, recovery tools that both my brother and I have used that we have found beneficial to us. So that's been a little um, side gig that we've been doing. It keeps us busy and keeps our minds fresh. Um so, yeah, Who are you marketing that. it to? Are you marketing it to the players directly or to coaches or academies or how does that work? Um, to high level lead athletes, players, um, people who have had injuries before, physical uh, therapy places, chiropractors, kind of that whole niche. Um, so we just we do our advertising on Google, Facebook, Instagram, kind of those uh, channels. Um, you know, it's been fun. Um, so one of the perks of the new busy. <laughs> Say it again, Aaron. Yeah, it's one of the perks of the new rules. It's giving us time <laughs> to focus on other. <laughs> oh, and I, I enjoy that. This is David. I enjoy that. You know, I see right now Aaron's been home for a while. I've been enjoying. I haven't seen, you know, four years in college and all that. So it's it has been enjoyable for him to be home, you know, and to see Jared a little bit now and then a little bit more. I mean, uh, so that, that's been enjoyable. Right. Um, you know, I mean, it, 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 the problem is it's not only with, you know, if you think, you know, that's the fun part. If you think about, I mean, earlier today I heard Aaron was talking to um, one of his former coaches and, and um, Bill Heiser in Florida. And he was telling me, about, you know, he knows at least 10. Uh, Aaron told me Bill knows at least 10 people that quit already. They just quit. They're, they can't, you know. What does that mean? Or, what are they going to do? Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, are these kids so. that hopefully went to college at least? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, yeah. but he, you know, even him, you know, financially, a lot of these academies and everything, there are going to be so many less, you know, people right. playing, you know, you know, and then it, I find it a little strange how it's, you're trying to get only the top hundred juniors are like gold. But mm -hmm. if you really look at it, if you had a lot of money, you can travel around the world and, you know, you could build up some ITF points and come top hundred. And, but is that, you know, is somebody that's, you know, you know, 90 in the ITF, is he, you know, that hasn't done a thing. Is he more worthy than somebody that's coming out of college that, you know, top 20 college players considered like five, 600 in the world. They right. used to be at least, you know? Um, right. And I mean, so, there's an yeah. argument that top hundred ITF isn't necessarily the top, 100 players in the world it's correct. it's just the people yeah, that earn those ranking points yeah correct yeah 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 so yeah i mean it's it's a real shame i mean i feel like you know kids like y'all that stayed stateside for your junior tennis stayed in public school um you know went the college route did everything right in in my opinion everything that you know, we were all told is the way to go about this. And now they've changed the rules. <laughs> so you've played the game really well all these years. And now that it's, it's time to start making some real money, the rules are changed. It's, it's got to be terribly frustrating. Oh, very. So what's next? I mean, you say you're going to continue training and that's, I mean, I guess you have to be ready when the opportunities come. So that's kind of a given. And, you know, what do you do for income? You, you 
Aaron, you're back home. And David, that's very generous of you. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, how long does that go on? I mean, that's, that's a tough situation for, you know, a 20 something to be in. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, um, Aaron, go ahead, Aaron. You want, okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a super tricky situation. Um, this definitely wasn't a part of my plan. My, my whole plan was I'm going to move to Orlando have my coaching situation and then go play three weeks of tournaments, go back for a week and train. And that's kind of changed now. So now I've been back home. It's, it's nice. I love it being with my family and that's great. So basically now I'm just working on this website with my brother. We're getting income from that, which is fantastic. And we're just trading stocks cause we're idiots. But, um, <laughs> so that, that's been, that's been fun, I guess, but that's how we're getting our income right now. Cause we are tennis players and that is, it's what we do. And we train like we're professional tennis players. So um, I'm just going to, I'm going to keep working as hard as I can on my tennis game. Meanwhile, in the off time, I'll be working on this website and growing that, getting the name out and um, yeah, we're, we're partners together. So it's been fun, but Let's give a plug to the website. What is it? And we'll, we'll put it in the show notes so people can click and take a look. <laughs> um, it's a uh, recovery for athletes.com. Okay. So yeah. Cool. <laughs> Thank you for the, uh, of course, of <laughs> course. So I have a question for y'all. Then this is something that came up on Twitter yesterday from Peg Connor, who used to be in charge of giving free stuff out to kids from well, she worked at Prince and she asked the question, how many of these players coming out of college have business plans for their professional tennis career? Did you guys create a business plan for your pro career? Um, are you saying after pro tennis or for tennis career or? For, for your, for tennis, like as you were finishing college, moving onto the pro tour did you have a business plan in place for how you were going to go about your professional tennis career? Yeah. So mine was, um, towards the end of my senior year, just sitting down with my coaches at Illinois and, um, my junior coach, Billy Heiser. And I kind of developed a plan where I was going to move to Tampa and start training with him. And then that turned into, um, he brought along Christopher Williams along. So, my well she was my fiance at the time but wife now we moved to tampa um and started training full-time and so i got a full-time coach had my training center and everything fast forward a couple years we saw the opportunity um or fast forward one year we saw the opportunity to train at usga in orlando the new center is unbelievable Mm -hmm. and it everything's usually been pretty um cut and dry for where I've been headed and what, where I've wanted to go. And it's been a easy system with you kind of dominate the futures level to get yourselves into the challengers. And then you make your way up into the ATP events. Um, so that's kind of been my business plan this entire time. Did you have dollar amounts attached to any of those items? I I'm, you know, like this, the coaching is going to cost me this much and I have the ability to earn this much if I get, you know, to this level in these events and yeah. So, um, I developed a bunch of pretty strong relationships throughout college and after, and was able to secure some funding to help my tennis because I knew that having a full-time coach and traveling, that was going to cost something. But, um, in my opinion, this was the right way for me to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. if I wanted to be a professional player, I had to go all out and, um, I couldn't really skimp on anything. So I treated myself um, as if I were a top 25 pro and just doing what I had to do to give myself the best opportunity. And I feel like I did that to a T. So um, I left everything out there and we did it and we made some great strides. And now moving forward, you're just kind of on hold. Is that what I'm hearing? I mean, I, I really, I, I'm kind of at a loss to understand what y'all are doing while this all kind of works itself out because it seems like things were very logical before, like you said, Mm -hmm. 
you you dominate the futures, then you move to the challengers, you dominate there, then you move on to the the ATP or WTA tour. Now that's not so cut and dried. It's sort of like a holding pattern right now until I guess this day until everything's figured out. So there were this, you know, both Aaron and Jared are just working hard, just trying to see what they need to do within the system that they have now. They, you know, besides, you know, signing that petition, you know, that's all they can do. Right. (laughs) Well, you know, I wouldn't say that the business plan has changed at all. It's still getting through the challengers to get the ATP. It's just a little bit more difficult now to get into those challengers. But meanwhile, you still have the expense of a coach and your training and your living expenses and all that. And it's it sounds to me as though it's become much harder to get yourself in a situation where you're actually going to be able to come out, you know, in the black financially. Right. Um, I mean, I have had to make some adjustments. Um, I stopped traveling with a full-time coach um, and that was mutual. Um, and I think it's going to work out in good, good sense. But um, so I have a coach working with me now here, Dennis Navolo, who um, he went to Illinois as well. And he's been great helping me out and he really looks after us. So um, I mean, the tournaments where I have had to travel, I've had a pretty good support crew there with friends and support over there. So it hasn't been too lonely and um, you know, we stay in touch all the time. So financially right now, it's just, tough obviously living all the time off just my wife's income that's basically how we're living um so she's been a trooper with that but uh i mean i've never really mom and dad helping a little bit (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh yeah you guys do obviously well she's a keeper jared (laughs) i i'm just tell you i i did that my husband went to law school right after we got married and we were living off my measly income and uh yeah (laughs) <laughs> it's it's challenging when there are two of you she, living she, off one. Yeah, she is a big trooper. You got to remember, Jared could be away for you know sometimes two three weeks at a time. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's another podcast we need to we need to talk <laughs> about about being married on tour, having a serious relationship on tour. Aaron, what about you? I mean, how has it changed your? You know, you you've you've moved back home. Obviously, that's a big change. Um, you know, from a financial standpoint, did you have a business plan? Has this impacted your business plan? Yeah, um, no, it's it's definitely that I've made some changes. Um, I I got some help financially. I didn't get as much help as uh, Jared was able to get, but um, no, I was still able to travel and do all of my um, training successfully at USTA because. You know, they let me use the facility and I get some coaching and it's fantastic. Um, but while I travel, um, I I don't travel with a coach. Um, so it, it's been a bit more difficult to have that all in top 25 mentality like my brother has. But, um, you know, I've I've done what I could. That's for sure. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that I, I've been as successful as I was hoping, you know, as I was hoping to get a full time coach and um, just kind of work one-on-one while I'm traveling, while I'm not. Um, so, I mean, that's definitely been difficult, but as I was graduating, these new rules came out, which definitely made it a bit more tricky on, is it worth it for me to, you know, move to Orlando, get my apartment and have that whole situation um, of just like, you know, I'm there, I'm going to be training all the time. Then I'll go play my tournaments and come back and I'll be financially big time in the red um or right now i just am in and out of my house in chicago and then i'll go back to orlando to train for a little bit for you know a week or two and stay with my brother and thank you by the way for letting me stay there all the time jared Um, (laughs) (laughs) that's what i was gonna say i mean you do have a place to stay down there that's good (laughs) i i do yes no it's fantastic but you know i don't want to be a burden obviously to always stay there and be the brother you know with the the wife and the husband. That's what um, we do for our siblings. I'm sure Jared <laughs> and his wife are thrilled to have you, right, Jared? Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky situation, but um, you know, I'm just gonna 
just trust my work that I'll be putting in. And if I start making some strides, maybe I'll start getting some funding and then I can travel with the coach and just kind of work the ladder. But um, it's definitely going to be a lot more tricky. So I'm just going to have to um, sit down and kind of discuss some other routes that I can take that can make it, you know, the easiest for me on my tennis and financially. So. Yeah. When y'all go down to Orlando to train, is there a cost to you to train there? Uh, so no, they are, USTA is amazing, which is helping out American tennis. Um, it's truly been a massive blessing having them um, supporting us all the time. So that's something that we are very, very appreciative. That's great. Yeah. And can you go down there as often as you need to, or is there a limit to how much you can train there? They just, they just want to help as much as possible. So it's truly as, as much as you want to go that they'll continue to support. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm really happy to hear that they've offered that to you guys and you know, that they're supporting the American players that way. I think that's, that's really, really good. Good to hear. Yeah. So I want to switch gears a minute and talk a little bit about some of this craziness that's been going on on social media um, as it pertains to the betting websites and just these God awful messages that some of you guys have been getting from people who weren't pleased with the outcome of your match for whatever reason. Can y'all talk about that? Yeah. I just found out, I didn't, I I didn't even know about this. And then one day Jared was talking about, I I mean, might've been talking to somebody about another tennis player. You know, I just got a bunch of these, you know, you know, tweets about, you know, about how I played and stuff. And I didn't even know that was going on. Yeah. Until, and then, then all these, I heard from all these different tennis players. Yeah happens all the time. Yeah. So, so, I mean, this is Jared, my, my whole opinion on it is that look, there's betting in all sorts of sports and the unfortunate part with tennis is that it's very individualized. So it makes you an easy target to get a hold of, especially now with social media and just the ability for your name and your profile to be searched and people to send you messages. It's just, it's very easy now. Um, I promise if, a basketball or a football team or that they were individuals instead of a full team that they would be receiving the same thing. So um, that's just something that you kind of, you laugh it off when you get it. Um, Kind of a joke now that when kids, us players get them that it's, I mean, it's a joke. Um, And the ATP and ITF have opened up a portal that if you do feel threatened and um, just to contact them and then they will bring the, higher authorities into play if there is an issue. After what happened to Petra Kvitova, I mean, it's kind of hard to just kind of laugh this stuff off, I would think. Um, I mean, it for me, I guess I haven't been traveling overseas that much, but most of the messages that I get are from far, far away from where I am. And, um, yeah, <laughs> the English is usually pretty poor. It can be sort of humorous yeah. in that way. Yeah, so. and I just it's easy to block people now and everything. So yeah. What about you, Aaron? Yeah, um, no, I've definitely I've gotten posts ever even since I made my Instagram profile public. I would even get some posts on a picture with me and my girlfriend, and some guy would say, like, you know, can't believe you lost that. You should have cancer. All this stuff that is just. <laughs> you know, on a picture of me and my girlfriend, like just stuff like that. And, um, I've gotten Instagram messages and tweets at me from just losing a match and horrible things said, but I mean, you, you can't take it that seriously, technically, even though they are very serious things that are said, they're horrible and, you know, things definitely should be done. But, um, it's for us tennis players, you know, at our level, I think with our mentality, we have to kind of laugh it off. Yeah, that's crazy. Jared, you recently did a uh behind the racket with for Noah and um it was it was pretty personal. Mhm. I yeah. What made you decide to share your story like that? Um, I mean, it's just something that it's who I am and it's 
just how I grew up and just it's an insight to my life that is, I guess, more beyond the results. So it just gives an insight to, um, yeah, just an insight to my life and um, just, I mean, just my childhood and how much my parents have sacrificed for us to play tennis at the highest level. What kind of response are you getting? Um, it's been tremendous responses. Um, I've got a ton of support and it's, it's amazing that Noah's doing this. It's truly an unbelievable idea. And probably one of my favorite comments that I saw was someone that commented that said that, Hey, I played high school tennis at the same time as this kid and always thought he was just some rich North shore kid. Um, and for, I guess it kind of changes guys perspectives about like, yeah, so my parents sacrificed a lot, but they wanted the best education for their kids that they could get and for them to play tennis. And I mean, their sacrifices were instrumental. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, they, they, this is David. They didn't only, they didn't only play tennis. Everybody thinks we were this to like eighth or ninth grade, both Aaron and Jared played travel baseball and travel soccer and, so we were sort of a little nutty running around with all that. And then eventually we had to say, we, you got to pick a sport. You know, mom and dad can't, you know, run around all over the place. I mean, even with tennis, um, Arlen and I, we had a streak of eight Thanksgivings where we weren't together because Jared was in a different age group. I traveled with Jared and Arlen would travel with Aaron when they went went to tournaments. So it was, it was pretty crazy when... But they loved it, you know. Right. I, I remember, I remember a time Jared lost a match, and you know he was upset and crying. I hate this sport. I don't want to play it again. And I, I'm in the car with him. I think we were running to do baseball after, and I go, Jared, that's great. Mom and Dad will have more money. We can travel the world. <laughs> no, we can we can do all this other stuff. This is awesome. And by the time I got home, he turned to me and goes, Dad, you know what? I still want to play. <laughs> <laughs> Good reverse psychology there, Dad. (laughs) What's the age difference between you two? Two years. Two years. All right. So Okay. So did y'all ever overlap age groups? Or did Uh, y'all just purposely not play the same age group? No, I played up a little bit. Um, but technically we stayed in our age groups. We we only played once when, like, the boys 12, I think, or something. Um, Mom was bawling during it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then we, we did play once, like, in a actual futures, which was interesting. But, um, yeah. What's that like, having to play each other? Terrible. Yeah, how was that, Jared? That was horrible. It's awful. Yeah. It was, uh, it was. I don't know. It's seven, six in the third and it just was messed up. <laughs> <It's still good. laughs> and, and did y'all like go out to dinner after or how, how did that work? Yeah. I mean, we yeah, always we have. were fine. Yeah. yeah. We've always been super close and, uh, yeah, we just want the best for each other. So That's awesome. What was it like growing up and both being really good athletes? It sounds like y'all were very well-rounded athletes as well. Um, you know, were your parents like great sports parents? Did, or do you have some good stories, some good juicy stories to share? Jared, why don't you, mm-hmm. why don't you share your, um, getting, uh, kicked out of the USTA for three months because of anger issues. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, being however old I was, 11, 12, I, obviously was not mature at all. Um, and just really wanted to win. I was, I hated losing and let my emotions get the best of me most of the time and ended up getting suspended by the USTA for three months, just cause I got too many point penalties and it's probably the best thing ever for me, uh, just because it really mellowed me out and made me appreciate what I had before. So that was something that definitely shaped me as a human being. Do you remember what you did during that three month suspension? Like, were you still hitting tennis balls or did you just decide I'm going to just take a total break? Um, I, no, I think I was still hitting. And then, I mean, I had a ton of school friends. So 
just hung out all the time and yeah um, baseball so i kept myself busy i mean at that time i wasn't really planning on playing professional tennis or anything it was more of just being really competitive at that young age and aaron did you continue did aaron continue to play during that time yeah i was uh i was always more mellow i would say um i (laughs) never had uh um any suspensions but this is pretty cool though so for the uh the kzoo the kalamazoo uh boys 18s jared ended up getting the sportsmanship award there just kind of cool to see that um over time and then i happened to actually get the same award also when i was 18 so um i thought that was pretty cool that's that's beyond pretty cool that's really amazing and um, a true testament, not just to the two of you, but also to your parents for raising upstanding young men. So well done. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So what else do you want to share with the parenting aces audience? I mean, I, I, I'm loving chatting with you guys and, and I, I would love to hear more about your junior development and all that. It sounds like y'all had a pretty sane upbringing in the sport. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, we definitely, we, we grew up with a very normal lifestyle. We played tons of different sports. Um, and then, you know, once tennis kind of took over, um, me and Jared, we, we worked with Billy Heiser growing up and, you know, we still weren't thinking, uh, play tennis professionally where I didn't think we're looking at our tennis recruiting thing. We saw like, we had like a coaching visit from, I don't know, some random school and we're getting like super excited. Like we couldn't believe it. And then fast forward, you know, five, six years and we're playing for Illinois and we're on the same team together. And so I just thought that's pretty special that, you know, we were able to accomplish that, um, go the high school route, public schools. Um, we never traveled to go around the world, play ITFs. We just, I, I played a few ITFs, but they're all in the States. And, you know, I just thought that's pretty cool to be able to accomplish that. And we both played in the junior us open just through playing in the States. And we just thought that's a great accomplishment. I think that's the first time I met all of you was at, it was my first U S open and Noah's mom was with me and introduced me to you guys. I don't know if y'all oh. remember that. It was, it was about eight years ago. So oh. yeah, <laughs> it was a while <laughs> back. I mean, your mom was there and yeah. So yeah, Noah's mom and my mom get along pretty well. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a while back. Um, so, I mean, growing up, going to public school, I, you know, so many kids now are doing virtual school or homeschooling, um, you know, so that they can travel more. I think your story is going to become kind of the rare example um, as tennis continues on, unless something changes, you know. It was it was a little crazy because they went to a New Trier High School here, which is a very tough school and high academics and all that. And we had to figure out how to get them out of school earlier. So they would try to set their schedules so they'd be done at like 2 o'clock. And I'd have to pick them up. And then I would have to drive. We And... and how it was in Chicago, you try to get the better players to play. There was always one or two clubs that had better players, so you wanted them hitting with them and things like that. So we would literally, I would pick them up at 2. I had to rearrange my work a little bit, and I'd pick them up at 2, at Tuesdays and Thursdays, and we had to get on the road immediately. And we would, I would drive like 40, 45 minutes to an hour. We'd go to LaGrange, and then they would do two different types. They might have a lesson and they might have two groups and I'd get them dinner at six and they'd hit and they'd get done at eight thirty, And then I would drive all the way back for an hour wow. home and they'd have to get their homework done, if, you know, or they were doing it in between a little bit. And we were doing that Tuesdays, Thursdays and Sundays. I remember. Um, so we were, yeah, it was a, a lot of commitment, but they appreciated it, and they they worked really hard. So, and obviously, obviously, they did well in school. You guys, I mean, going to University of Illinois, that's a pretty good accomplishment. Yeah, it sure. was it was tough, but I mean, our high school 
for them working with us, just like USTA helping us out. I mean, Nutrier was amazing in letting us pursue our dreams and rearranging our schedules and just really working with us. And um, it starts with communication. And that was the number one thing that we were just communicating great with all of our teachers and really on the same page. So they wanted to support us. I mean, when I'm back home, I stop by the by high school all the time and talk to my teachers just because we developed such strong relationships. Um, people think I'm pretty weird because of that, but um, I think it's great. I still see some of my high school teachers when I go home and I'm in my fifties. Yeah. So there you no, go. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and it, just being in the public school, I mean, develop some unbelievable relationships with my friends. And um, even though my best friends now, they live in Seattle and LA that they were still groomsmen at my wedding and we've been friends since fifth grade. So it's something that if I could do all over again, I'd do the exact same thing. Do you think when you guys have kids of your own, will you introduce them to tennis? I think it's going to kind of make its way naturally. Um, we're not going to obviously force our kids in anything. My wife was a gymnast and I was a tennis player and, um, well, I mean, her family has a big golf background, so I think we're going to play pretty much every sport, maybe stay away from the contact sports like my parents had to stay away from, um, but we'll see. What about you, Aaron? Is this something you would want to have your kids play? Um, I technically, I haven't really thought of that through so far. You know, I've, I've been dating the same girl for three years and we're super close. Um I'm not no, saying I, you have to make a commitment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, it's, I'll probably do the exact same thing that my brother would do. Um, I feel like he has a good eye for knowing the right things to do. And I just think that you know, whatever, um, you know, in the future, my children will pick, pick up whatever they, they enjoy the most. And I'll just be as supportive as I can. That's fantastic. You guys are just such a pleasure to chat with. Thank you so much. And um, I really, I hope things settle soon so that you can get back to your business plan of playing professional tennis the way you want to play it and continuing to move up the ranks and, you know, get into those ATP events on a regular basis. And I, I look forward to watching both of your careers develop. And in the meantime, we'll all check out recovery for athletes and <laughs> wish you all the best with that. And, and, you know, hopefully it'll help fund this tennis thing. Once things are back where they're supposed to be. Oh yeah. Thank you. Thank you Perfect. so much. Thanks so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Well, Appreciate it. Thank you and good luck. And uh, to my listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll share the podcast with your tennis community. For all the information you need to navigate the junior and college tennis journey, be sure to check out ParentingAces.com.